Welcome to the Lawyerist Podcast with Sam Glover and Aaron Street. Each week, Lawyerist brings you advice and interviews to help you build a more successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. And now, here are Sam and Aaron. Hi, I'm Sam Glover. And I'm Aaron Street, and this is episode 120 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, we're replaying a conversation with Brad Clark about building websites that let him solve potential clients' problems before they meet him, and about his creative access to justice efforts from mobile legal clinics to financial aid for criminal expungements. Today's podcast is sponsored by Spotlight Branding, which wants you to know that having a new website designed for your law firm doesn't have to suck. Spotlight Branding prides itself on great communication, meeting deadlines, and getting results. Text the word website to 66866 in order to receive a free website appraisal worksheet. Today's podcast is sponsored by FreshBooks, which is ridiculously easy to use and packed with powerful features. Try it now at freshbooks.com slash lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. And today's podcast is sponsored by Ruby Receptionists and its smart, charming receptionists who are perfect for small firms. Visit callruby.com slash lawyerist to get a risk-free trial with Ruby. So, Aaron, two events to announce today. The first is the third meeting of TBD Law. Yay! I know. I'm pumped. Um, we're trying something a little bit different this time. Very different. Yeah. it's uh, The dates, first of all, are August 27th to 29th. And instead of doing it at Filament, we are going to be doing it in rural Missouri. In cabins. In cabins. Summer camp for lawyers. Yeah, the way it's going to work this year is everybody's going to need to get there on time. We'll, we'll give everybody... There being St. Louis. To St. Louis, yep. And we'll hop in a, in a bus and uh, have a big old road trip, two hours to these cabins outside of St. Louis. And I think it's going to be really cool. Uh, a different space allows us to do some different things. Um, we've got some really neat ideas for structuring it differently. The catch, I guess, is that it's going to be a little bit of a smaller group. Yep. The bus can only hold 56 seats, I think. Yep. So rather than trying to aim for our 75 like we have for the first couple, we'll have a smaller group. And we're really excited for some intimate bonfires. And I don't think we'll do trust falls, but I, I guess I shouldn't promise that we won't. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you're interested, and you should be, you should visit our website. And the application is at lawyerist.com slash law. And you do have to apply. That's not because we're trying to turn people off, but because the entire point of TBD law is to get innovative lawyers together. And so we need you to apply and tell us why you're interested in going and a little bit about your firm so that we can try to figure out if it will be a good fit. Uh, You're not bad if you can't come. We're just trying to find a good fit with the people who come and the kinds of conversations we want to have. So here's how to know kind of if you're going to fit is... If you kind of understand the trends that are shaping the future of law practice, which we talk about on this podcast especially, but on Lawyerist all the time, um, and you are thinking about how to prepare your law firm for the next 5, 10, 15 years of law practice with those trends in mind, how to take advantage of them, I, I think you'd probably be the kind of person that would be a really good fit with that group, and you should absolutely go and apply. And if you're even a little bit curious, just apply. The next thing that will happen is I'll call you and we'll have a conversation. um, And you can ask me more about it. And I can ask you more about your firm. And we'll get to know each other better and try and figure it out. And even if you end up not being a good fit, we'll know each other a little bit better. So that'll be cool. So please go to lawyerist.com slash TBD law and apply. 
So Aaron, what's the second thing? The second event to announce is that you and I are speaking at the Minnesota State Bar Association convention on June 15th at the Mall of America. Oh my God. So exciting. (laughs) Will we go on roller coasters? We should. Yeah. (laughs) Can can we like Instagram a picture of us on a roller coaster at the convention? Now I think we have to. I think so. Um, And we're speaking on the biggest scams and hacks affecting lawyers, um, which sounds very exciting and sensational. And I hope we can figure out what those are in time. For we'll have June to talk 15th. very loudly. I guess so. Yes. <laughs> Lots of ominous voices and sound effects, I hope. Um, so if you're in Minnesota, uh, we'd love to see you on June 15th for that presentation and at the Mall of America. And if you find us in time, you can ride on the roller coaster with us. Sweet. Well, maybe we'll even schedule it as a meetup. So with that stuff in mind, here's my conversation with Brad Clark, who was at the very first meeting of TBD Law. And I think this podcast is a really fun kind of jaunt down his experiments and what he's doing to bring in business and build his practice in a really kind of innovative way. Here we go. My name's Brad Clark. I'm a criminal defense attorney in Lexington, Kentucky, and my law firm, Clark Law, creates web apps that help solve consumer-facing legal problems. That's so cool, and thank you for being with us, Brad. I am excited to have you here. Tell me more about your firm, because you just described it as creating web apps, but there's a law firm and a practice behind that. So, what does it look like? Absolutely. So, um, my firm, it consists of me and my associate, Carolyn Allen, who's a first year out of law school. Um, she started back in August, and she's doing fantastic work. But uh, we do criminal defense work, um, primarily expungement and traffic and DUI in central Kentucky, northern Kentucky, and the Louisville area. So how long have you been doing this? I have been a criminal defense lawyer for seven years. I started out at the public defender's office, and then I went on and I did death penalty work for two years uh, specifically. Wow. And so when did you actually start your firm? My firm has been going since May of this year. Fantastic. Um, so it's just the two of you guys now, and you're doing most of that, uh, the criminal defense work, it sounds like. So cool. Um, where do your, where does your business come from? You know, it's almost a hundred percent generated, uh, online using social media, AdWords. Um, you know, we do get referrals from my old public defender clients. We do get referral from new clients, but it's, uh, most of our marketing strategy has been online and through earned media. We've gotten some really good media attention too. So I haven't checked in with some local criminal defense lawyers lately to see if this is still the case, but it used to be that the assumption was that you had to get yourself in like the jailhouse phone book. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, here, I think it's called the blue book. And that's the, the book of lawyers directory that is available to people who've recently been arrested. And that was like the whole thing is you had to be in there. And everybody kind of poo-pooed online advertising because I guess they don't think people who've been arrested are able to search, which I mean, so, so how does online marketing work if that's true? Well, a lot of our business is expungement, which are people that are, you know, out, have been out of jail, have been out of trouble for five to 10 plus years. And so, I mean, that doesn't apply to that. But then as right. far as like, you know, DUIs, um, there will be, uh, you know, some people that do call lawyers that night that, you know, you are provided time to call a lawyer when you are arrested for DUI. But then there are a lot of people that they bond out the next morning and they're depressed and they're sitting on their couch and they're trying to research things online. And that's when that's when the marketing happens. That's when the connection happens. And, the you know, the client contacts you. Gotcha. So that it, it maybe it's a misconception that the the time to do it, the time to strike, as it were, is basically when they're sitting there looking at the phone, wondering who to call. You got time, in other words. I think that there's merits to both. And, you know, I mean, we, we have chosen this strategy because 
quite honestly, it's what I know and what we're good at. <laughs> Which always seems to work if you if you go with what you know. So, um, one of the things I want to talk about is Unconvicted, uh, which sure. is unconvicted.com, which is your website. Uh, is this just your firm website or uh, is it is it does it the front end for more than that? So, Unconvicted is a service that's offered by our firm and it's we have kind of a for-profit arm to it and a not-for-profit arm and uh, we do, they kind of serve two different functions. So, if I could have just a minute, uh, you know, yeah. our Kentucky passed kind of sweeping expungement legislation in the last year. And the, for the first time, basically ever in Kentucky, uh, people with old low level felonies and almost any misdemeanor can apply after a certain period of time to have the conviction vacated and then expunged, meaning the conviction will be voided from their record as though it never happened. And then it will be removed from d- private uh, from the public databases and presumably is not supposed to show up in uh private background checks as well for pre-employment screenings. And so um, what Unconvicted was, was it was my attempt to make the process as easy as possible for people with old convictions to, you know, be able to vote, be able to get their firearm rights back, be able to, you know, serve on juries and, you know, more simply um, and more down to earth, you know, just be able to get good jobs, get, uh, you know, access to federal funding for school. You know, I've had people who couldn't go on school field trips because of an old conviction or even a dismissed case. Um, you know, we had a client who couldn't go on her daughter's field trip because she had a bad check case dismissed 10 years ago. And so it's, it's a real opportunity to help people who have been kind of outcast from, you know, mainstream society because of, you know, old criminal convictions and things of that nature. Hmm. Very cool. So you said there's two pieces to it, a for-profit piece and a non-profit piece. So don't, what, what's the for-profit piece? How's the, what's the business model behind this? So for-profit, we've developed a, a web app that allows people to go in and basically imagine TurboTax for expungement. It allows people to go in and answer questions in natural language about their convictions. And then based upon how they answer the questions, they'll be asked different questions. And it kind of walks them through a decision tree. Um, and at the end of it, it, it makes kind of an assessment, not a determinative legal assessment. It'll say, you know, we think that you're probably a good candidate based upon your responses, but we're going to double check it. And so the basic premise is it, it's kind of a lead generation tool, but it also helps helps people find, you know, am I, am I headed in the right direction or not? And so after they get that assessment, um, we pipe that information into our, our CRM. Uh, we use Zapier for that. And uh, we, you know, we screen the records manually and we give them a call back if they qualify or if they don't qualify. And we just kind of explain to him, kind of here are your options. You know, we can draft the paperwork for you and kind of in an assisted pro se kind of format. Or we can also, um, you know, represent you full stop, including drafting all the paperwork, meeting with you, notarizing the required documents, filing in the appropriate place and appearing at hearings on your behalf. So you're kind of doing it as uh, the website is basically triage. Um, for people who want to find out at, at our TBD law conference, there was uh, something maybe similar where um, lots of people need to know if they qualify for uh, to be a dreamer under the dream act, mm-hmm. but that's not something that immigration lawyers can really charge for. So some lawyers, there actually built a Q and a tool to help people figure out if they qualify. And it, it sounds like you're doing sort of the same thing. You can't really charge somebody, a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks to tell them whether or not they're entitled to an expungement. So you just sort of automate that process as much as you can. Right. Right. I mean, the idea is, you know, to make the process as simple on both the client and the attorney as possible. And, you know, we, we, you know, in exchange for them, you know, using our tool and allowing us to contact them, we give them a a free screening by an attorney and, um, you know, tell them basically, we think you've got a good case or we don't. Which is obviously everybody's first question is, 
can I even do this? Right. And yeah. it, it's, it's a way to basically offset some of that time that a lot of people traditionally would have spent, you know, driving downtown, finding a place to park, waiting for the lawyer to just be told no. And we can do consultations much faster remotely and, and much larger volume. That makes a lot of sense. Would, uh, would you call it a successful driver of business? I mean, you said most of your work comes from online, so it's kind of wondering, is this where it comes from? Yes, I would say 90% of our business comes um, from online, from our AdWords campaigns, our Facebook campaigns, and, um, you know, from the earned media, you know, uh, the Courier Journal, the paper record in Louisville ran us on the front page. Um, USA Today picked it up. So, we've gotten some really good press on it. And Very it's cool. been, yeah, it's been, it's been, and we, we, we do pretty good on YouTube too, surprisingly. Huh. So, uh, if somebody calls up your firm and wants to know if they qualify for an expungement, do you direct them to the website or do you run them through the tool over the phone? Well, generally, uh, what will happen is I'll just ask them. I, at this point, I've pretty much memorized the entire statute front and back, having done <laughs> right. it so many times. So, I, I can walk them through it myself much quicker than uh, if they call it up. And it may be the fastest way to do it. And I tell people sometimes that, like if they've got a friend, they're like, hey, I'm going to tell them to go to the website and see if they're eligible. I'm like, just have them call me. You know, okay. I mean... But if it's not business hours, obviously, it's a great way to make it accessible. And we want yeah. people that have that idea that, hey, I need to find out if this is something I can do to have it as accessible to them as, you know, many hours of the day as possible, you know, so. Well, and because the reason I ask is because uh, one of the traps I fell into um, and lo I see lots of lawyers falling into is you come up with a really neat tool and you want everybody to use it and you try to force everybody through that tool. And, um, and not everybody wants to do it that way, right? Some, some people are really happy to just be able to click some buttons and fill out some forms on a website, but some people want to call and have somebody talk to them. So that's what I was kind of curious because I, I always ran into that where I was trying to force people to do things my way, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and, and don't get me wrong. If they, it, it does make it easier on us because when they are inputting their information, I mean, we're keeping that information in a database and we do have it streamlined enough to where we can use some of the client data entry to generate the forms. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're about client, you know, customer service. We want people to have access whatever way they want to have access. You're, you're adding things to your toolbox, not subtracting things. Exactly. So, uh, what's the for, what's the nonprofit element to this then? This bill is an incredible piece of legislation. It gives lots of people a second chance, and it, it was passed bipartisan. And one of the sticking points that got it passed was, you know, we have budget problems in Kentucky. Uh, we have a pension system that's massively underfunded. And one of the things that the legislator looked to do is they stuck a very hefty filing fee on these. It's a five hundred dollar filing fee to file a felony expungement. Yeah, in Kentucky, and it, it kind of goes without saying that people that are least likely to have $500 are the people who have to check the box that identifies them as a convicted felon every time they go to apply for a job. Yeah. And, and, and what we find is, um, you know, while there are a lot of people that, you know, meet the federal poverty guidelines are likely to qualify for informa pauperis relief to have that fee waived and that do qualify. And we do take those cases pro bono because I think that's the right thing to do. Um, there are a lot of people that while they don't meet the guidelines, they still can't come up with $500 and then, you know, and we'd, but we'd still like to do their case pro bono, but we're kind of stuck, right? How do we, how do we get there? How do we get it done? And so, um, we're trying to start raising, we're, we are raising money to, um, help people provide scholarships more or less, uh, to get this done and pay the filing fees for them in cases or pay parts of the filing fees for them where they can't necessarily just come up with the $500 at how the time. You, how do you get started building a pool like that? Are you, I mean, who, who's contributing to it? Well, that, it, 
the really interesting thing is we've actually had a lot of people approach us about doing it. I mean, this was always part of something I wanted to do, but people came out of the woodwork and said, hey, we want to help you raise money to do this. There's a group called Leadership Lexington here in town that um, had, they're raising money to do the same thing. Um, you know, the Unitarian Church actually approached me and said they wanted to do a fundraiser for me. And we actually work out of a co-working space that's designed for nonprofits Hmm. Um, and social enterprises. And so um, my, the director of that space is actually a good friend of mine, and she's done a lot of nonprofit um, fundraising and nonprofit development kind of stuff in the past, and she's helping us put a lot of it together. Um, so Very we cool. don't actually... Yeah, so it's been it's been it's been great. So uh, I, we we kind of skipped over this, but I ordinarily like to geek out on this stuff. How did you build the tool? You, I, I know you said you're connecting a couple things with Zapier, but um, like, is it? Did you hire coders, or is it built in? Um, something more simple and easy to use. What's the what's going on back there behind under the hood? Uh, okay, yeah. So I have kind of been a, I guess, serial business starter my entire life, other than my short stint as a public defender. I was actually a web developer way back in like 1999 when I was 15 years old. So um, I, I developed the, the, the site myself, but the actual application is built in a software service platform called Typeform, um, which is a really cool way people that need to make really pretty, really complex uh, logic flow forms um, can you know use this service online and I think it's it's relatively simple I think most people could learn how to use it but it's quite powerful also and so Typeform um, has an API that allows it to integrate with Zapier without getting too techie um, we can use Zapier to basically pass the data that we get from the form submissal submittal after we build the form um, into um, a number of different places where we use it um, we were using Clio for a while and it, it works beautifully to input the data into there. Um, but we've actually switched to, we do almost everything in uh, CRM software, client relationship management software, customer relationship management software um, called Capsule, just oh, yeah. because it's it's very cheap and it has an infinite number of custom fields, which is what we need. So, yeah. um, And so those are kind of the tools we're using. And then we have a hacked together Acrobat JavaScript that does all of our um, kind of document automation because we have to use these court sanctioned PDFs. It's a comp it, I don't want to go into that, but <laughs> anyway, but, but um, you, you've, you figured out how to take the courts forms and input data onto them. Yeah. Very cool. Wow. That's, that's a lot going on there. That's neat, but it sounds like it's, uh, you know, sometimes the answer is, Oh, I invested $50,000 of my own money and hired a development team, you know, from, uh, from across the state or something like that. But, uh, but you just kind of put it together yourself, which is awesome. I, lawyers who do that, I think it's cool for lawyers to know that there are tools out there that don't require them to either hire a team or become a software developer. Um, just adventurous, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, having some development background definitely helped, but yeah. I think that this is the kind of tool, and we use it for a lot of different intake stuff. I mean, I think um, I think people should really look at it and see what it is because it may fit their practice in ways that you know they know that I wouldn't. Okay, so uh, we need to take two minutes from our sponsors, and when we come back, I want to talk about two more of the things that you're working on, mobile legal clinics uh, and a new partnership that you've launched to Driven Law Group. So we're going to hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back to talk about that. Spotlight Branding is an internet marketing company that doesn't suck. Most solo and small firm lawyers have had at least one truly miserable experience with a web designer or internet marketing company. So if the idea of launching a new website for your law firm makes you queasy, they get it. Spotlight Branding prides itself on excellent communication with its clients, being responsive, professional, respectful, and delivering what it tells you it's going to deliver. Spotlight Branding works exclusively with solo and small law firms. Services include law firm website design, email newsletter management, social media marketing, and more, all designed to make your law practice more profitable. 
And Spotlight Branding is currently offering a free gift to our listeners. Simply text the word website to 66866 and receive their free website appraisal worksheet, an easy way to evaluate your web presence, identify what's working, and spot opportunities to improve. So you're racing against the clock to wrap up three client projects, prepping for a meeting later in the afternoon, all while trying to tackle a mountain of paperwork. Welcome to Modern Life as a Small Firm Lawyer. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. To meet this need, FreshBooks is excited to announce the launch of an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. It's been redesigned from the ground up and custom-built for exactly the way you work. Get ready for the simplest way to be more productive, organized, and most importantly, get paid quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. Create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, set up online payments with just a couple of clicks and get paid up to four days faster, see when your client has seen your invoice and put an end to the guessing games. FreshBook is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to our listeners. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com lawyerist and enter lawyerist in the how did you hear about us section. This podcast is supported by Ruby Receptionists. As a matter of fact, Ruby answers our phones at Lawyerist, and my firm was a paying Ruby customer before that. Here's what I love about Ruby. When I'm in the middle of something, I hate to be interrupted, so when the phone rings, it annoys me, and that often carries over into the conversation I have after I pick up the phone, which is why I'm better off not answering my own phone. Instead, Ruby answers the phone, and if the person on the other end asks for me, a friendly, cheerful receptionist from Ruby calls me and asks if I want them to put the call through. It's a buffer that gives me a minute to let go of my annoyance and be a better human being during the call. If you want to be a better human being on the phone, give Ruby a try. Go to callruby.com lawyerist to sign up, and Ruby will waive the $95 setup fee. If you aren't happy with Ruby for any reason, you can get your money back during your first three weeks. I'm pretty sure you'll stick around, but since there is no risk, you might as well try. Okay, and we're back. And Brad, you just hinted to me while we were talking beforehand about uh, you're working on some mobile legal clinics, which is interesting because uh, I, I've always wanted to just like drop in and be a lawyer for free in a neighborhood or a park or a library or something. And um, usually it always seems to make sense to do it with more structure behind it. So I'm kind of wondering how are you doing it? And, and what's it all about? Tell me what you're trying to do first. So what we're trying to do is going to raise awareness of our mission and also just ultimately create a fundraising tool for our not-for-profit side. And so what we're doing is we're going to do kind of drop-in legal clinics in five or six different cities in Kentucky um, starting next year where we're just going to open up in an abandoned storefront or some kind of space that we can find um, very inexpensively. And we're going to just do pro bono expungements all day. Um, we're going to do what we can to advertise it, you know, through Facebook and our contacts with local media, chambers of commerce, those kind of things. And we're just going to set up a, basically a legal, a mobile expungement clinic. And we don't need much. I mean, you know, we can tether our phones to get to the database we need. I, we have, all we need is a printer and, uh, we're there. So, uh, very cool. That's kind of the plan. And, and our plan is, you know, we have a, my, I have a good friend who shoots documentary films and he's going to kind of follow us around and put together like, some web videos we can use and things we can use, hopefully to fundraise some more for the non-for-profit side. We may do a crowdfunding campaign once we get the video and those kind of things put together, but just kind of get out in the community and the parts of Kentucky that people don't normally think about going to and, you know, hopefully bring people, but you know, get, make people more employable, bring jobs back, you know, those kind of things. And are you... Are you basically partnering with local organizations to do that? 
that's the plan right now. Um, the University of Kentucky has an ag extension office who we're talking to, too, about uh, potentially uh, working with some of their local spaces that they have there. It's, we're still trying to fill this out 100%, but uh, you know, it's just finding the right opportunities, the right fit, the right places to get the right publicity so the right people in the community turn out for these things so we can help as many people as possible. Is that, That's our goal. You, you've mentioned uh, your mission and your nonprofit side a couple of times. Um, does is that kind of baked into the way you conceive of your firm that you're going to be doing civic stuff as well as for-profit stuff? And how do you decide how much of each to do and all that kind of stuff? I, I, that's a good, very good question that we're still kind of trying to answer, right? <laughs> um, you know, it, it's it, it obviously right now we're doing almost 100% for-profit stuff you know, in the startup phase. Um, you know, it scaled very quickly. I had to hire another lawyer to bring them on full-time. And, you know, now that we're adjusting to that, we're kind of seeing what our revenue stream looks like. Um, we're getting an idea of, you know, where we are. As, as I said before, when people would come in and they would meet the, IF, the IFP level, we would do the cases pro bono just because. But um, we haven't had a huge number of that people that qualify for that. I think probably primarily because of, you know, how we advertise and how people find out about us being online. You do have to have some sort of device that can complete the form. It doesn't have to be an iPhone 7 or, you know, the latest Android phone. But and on some level, you know, it's not going to be everybody that has access to it. Mm-hmm. And so now that we're in a position where we're profitable and, you know, I'm paying myself and I'm paying my employee and um, we're really looking at some of these questions about how can we, you know, Really, really fulfill that kind of that kind of double bottom line we have. How many people did we help, and how much money did we make? You know, and how can we, you know, stretch and kind of give back for what the state and what the community has done for us? You know, for taking on this kind of mission to make this as accessible and affordable as possible for everybody. I I, I love what you just said. How many people did we help, and how much money did we make? And there, you know, there's two there are two ways to there are lots of different ways to increase the first number, right? How many people we mm-hmm. helped. So. Um, do you have like targets or are you just sort of looking at it now and trying to figure it out? It's kind of funny. Um, but uh, you know, I kind of went back and I thought about how many people that I plead guilty to felonies when I was a public defender <laughs> and I, I added it up and I'm like, I want to do that many in the first year. Now I don't think we're going to get that number, unfortunately, but, um, <laughs> I don't, it's some kind of weird, like public defender, you know, karma. I don't yeah. <laughs> kind of <laughs> goal that I have, but uh, no, I mean, I, I think we're trying to see, you know, what's the first year look like? What's the baseline look like? And how can we do better next year? I mean, that, that's, I guess, what I would say is what our goal is going to be. Very cool. Um, so le- let's touch on your more recent project that you launched. Uh, it's it's DrivenLaw.com. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like it's it's you're trying to take the same general idea from unconvicted to a different practice area, right? I think that's fair to say. It's It's another kind of lead generation tool where we offer free consultation remotely very easily to potential clients for traffic cases and DUI cases. Uh, it works very similarly. It's also built on type form. Um, the kind of the hook to it though, is anyone that's charged with a traffic offense or a DUI can simply snap a photograph of their citation, upload it to us. And then we've kind of made some report generation tools on the back end for the lawyers to use where they can basically create a report very quickly that'll say, well, these are the possible penalties. These are the elements of the offense. This is what it'll do to your insurance. If you plead guilty, this is how many points it'll put on your license. Based upon our experience, this is what we expect the outcome might be. Here are some possible defenses that we may try and things we would investigate and things like that. And we provide that absolutely free of charge. Hmm. And then it allows the, uh, you know, the potential client to then they can schedule a phone call or a video conference with us. And then frequently we'll just follow up with them over phone too. So, so Typeform is is robust enough that you can incorporate things like taking photos on a phone? Yes. Wow, that's super cool. I, I kind of want to just 
start playing with it. Um, <laughs> I, I noticed that this is a partnership between you and another lawyer. Um, how is that? How do you structure something like that? So we have it as a separate LLC and we're contracting with each of our law firms right now. Um, we're still trying to figure out the best way to do it. Uh, but that's, that seemed to be the simplest, you know, kind of thing to, in the beginning, kind of minimum, minimum viable product. Yeah. What does this, what does this look like? Is there a, is there a product, you know, uh, customer fit? Do we market fit? Do we have that here? Are people going to use this? And the answer seems to be yes. I mean, it's only been a week, but you know, we've already got three paying clients, um, from the app. Um, and it's, you know, it's a good opportunity to reach out to other people in a different kind of practice area. So, um, are you partnering up because, uh, you think there was going to be just way too much work to hand? I mean, what, what was the, was it their idea? What's the justification for partnering up on this or what's the rationale for yeah. it? Yeah, my, my friend Raul Kazi, he came to me and he said, you know, similar to what we're doing with the Unconvicted app, he thought it would be really cool to help people with traffic problems um, and let them know that, you know, there are things that can be done. You don't just have to pay your speeding tickets. And so he came to me with it. And I realized that, quite honestly, I'm overextended as it is. I, uh, you know, I, I do have a book of criminal cases also that I keep on top of all this other, the other things I'm doing. And so um, it, I knew that I was not in a position to hire someone else to work for me as an associate at this point. I wasn't ready to make that jump. And he was willing to come in and, you know, make an investment into the, the front end, getting it launched, getting the advertising done and doing more of the cases, more of the legwork on it. And so it was a attractive, I think, situation for both of us because he wasn't going to be able to develop it himself and market it. And I wasn't going to be able to do all the work myself. And so um, it made sense to work together. You got started, you said, in May of 2016. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so about six months ago. And you're already talking about being profitable, which is pretty impressive. I mean, I I struggle with this. How do I ask people how they're doing without just, you know, getting out a um, an income statement mm-hmm. and and hiring an accountant to assess the numbers. But but I'm curious, like how you, you've been doing it for six months and obviously you've been a lawyer for much longer. Um, but how do you kind of assess the success of things and how do you look forward and say where you think you're going to be at this time next year even? Well, I'm in a lucky situation and that, you know, I, I jumped and I did this entrepreneur thing and my wife has a good job and she's able to support us. Um, but you know, we are successful and I think I expect that I'll make every bit as much money as I did last year being a, you know, capital defender. Um, but ultimately what's really been the most rewarding thing about this has just been, uh, getting to go do really cool stuff like this show and, uh, meet really cool people online and just kind of make new things and build new things. And that's why, I mean, there are, don't get me wrong. There are 20 hour days. There are weekends where I wish I was with my son <laughs> and I wish I was with my wife, but you know, overall just getting to make the law firm that I would most want to work at, you know, getting to make the job that I most want to have. I mean, the value in that is just, it, it's immense. It's undefinable to me, you know? Well, and you obviously feel like you've proved the concept with unconvicted and it sounds like you're optimistic for drivenlaw.com and, and you, do you think you're going to expand the same model to other areas of practice or have you kind of found the two that it, the two criminal areas that it probably fits best with? We're always looking for other opportunities. I think that what we, we picked these two primarily because how cheap it's, it is to acquire the traffic for it, quite honestly, right now. And then also, um, it just, the expungement's just the time was right. The timing was just perfect. Um, well, how, wait, how is it cheap to acquire DUI traffic? Isn't every criminal defense lawyer out there buying up all the AdWords? Not in this market. Really? So, yeah, it's actually, it's not too bad, actually. Um, 
and that's one of the things that we did when we were deciding where we're going to try to acquire DUI clients as well as we kind of went and looked at what was the you know, cost per click and expected to be. So, um, so you actually sat down and did kind of, here's the, you did a business model for the site, I guess. I mean, obviously you mm-hmm. did, you, you think in those terms. So you put together, here's what we think we can make. Here's what we think it's going to work out to. And it's going to make sense. Right. I mean, we basically looked and we said, what is it going to cost to acquire a customer at, you know, this conversion rate? And then, you know, what's our return on marketing investment going to look like? And then does it make sense to do that? And we said yes. And so far, our assumptions have bared out. Help me get my head around what does it cost to produce something like unconvicted or driven law? Because they know lawyers are going to be listening and they're going to say, oh, that sounds neat. Um, maybe they'll check up type form and maybe they'll be adventurous enough to play with it. But they're, you know, the, the question is, is this all going to be worthwhile? So how do you value the cost of producing the app, the website, maintaining it? Um, and then how do you balance that out against what you can expect to do? Well, if you can do the work yourself, um, like we have, it, it's actually not very expensive at all. I mean, Typeform, I think we pay $70 a month or $700 a year for if you buy it in a full year. Um, and we use it across both sites. And then, you know, we bought WordPress themes and I did a little bit of custom PHP and HTML work on them, but it wasn't anything that someone couldn't learn if they wanted to um, in, in a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, and, and so I, I don't know. I mean, we spend, you know, $20 a month on Zapier and then eight or $9 on capsule. And then we, we also use Yesware, which I want to give a kind of a plug for if people aren't using Yesware or haven't checked it out. It's, it's really cool email marketing software. Um, oh. have you, are you I've never heard time? of it. No, I've never even heard of it. Tell me more. It, it lives inside of Gmail. And if you use Google apps, it's great. Um, it allows you to kind of do drip campaigns and also, uh, you can, do blind receipt, read, uh, read receipts. You can see when people open email, you can, you know, track when they opened it, how many times they've opened it, and you can automatically send follow-ups and you can do all sorts of cool stuff with it. Yesware is great. Check it out. And is it, is it free? Does it, is there a price for it? I want to say it's like eight or $9 a month per individual user. And I think there's a, there's a, there are multiple scaled plans. I I can't remember exactly what we pay for it, but it's, it's worth every penny. I mean, that's cool because I'm always looking for other options because, uh, you know, Infusionsoft and HubSpot and Salesforce are just these big, massive programs that are really expensive and they're really geared towards like sales. And and I, while I think it's totally valid to talk about, you know, converting potential clients to clients as a sort of a sales process, it's just not the same as, you know, building leads with cold calling and all that kind of stuff. And so it, they always feel a little bit too much and kind of the geared towards the wrong thing. So I want to check this out because it sounds like it might be uh, a little bit easier to use and incorporated into the tools we already use. And so you don't have to have like this big overblown sales platform. I agree with that a hundred percent. I mean, it, it's great for templating emails. If you have a lot of the same emails you send over and over price quotes, uh, you know, uh, even retainers, if you send them electronically, you can generate them very quickly using Yesware just inside of Gmail. It's, it's, it's great. Uh, which sort of reminds me. So you mentioned capsule CRM, which I think, um, Guy Sakalakis uses as well and likes a lot. Um, what are some of the other, we've talked about Typeform and, and Zapier, uh, are there any other apps or tools, utilities, software that you just can't live without and that really power your practice? As far as for project management, we really like Trello. Um, and, you know, we use it as a team. We have, you know, my one associate and I'm on, we've had interns and we've had contractors as well, just as far as, you know, when we're going to do a revision on the site or kind of like a big picture project idea, we kind of like to use like a Kanban type board technique for, you know, what's done, what needs to be done, what's assigned to who and those kind of things. And we find that it kind of gives you a really good, you know, 20,000 feet view of what the project is and what needs to happen when. 
I, I am staring at your picture on my podcast Kanban board in Trello right now too. So <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, anything else? That's really that's really the kind of the core stack of what we're using right now. Obviously, you know the blog and the sites all run on WordPress, um, which I, I don't think needs my plug. I think everybody knows word, about WordPress. It's how great it is. Yeah. Um, and th- that's really it. I mean, those are the main major things that we use here. It's uh, I've been noticing that there are, um, there are people who are engaged in technology that tr- strive to use as few tools as they can for the job, and there are those who try everything and can't stop playing with new utilities. And you seem like the the former type where you're striving for efficiency, not to know everything about everything. Oh, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm one of those, you know, pr- uh, productivity nerds. I like trying different things. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've quit. I've tried and quit OmniFocus. I don't know how many times, <laughs> Yeah. you know, we, we ran MailChimp for a while and it, it, it's, it's good if that's what you need it for. Um, you know, we've tried a bunch of different solutions and anything that has a free trial, um, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to try it and give it a chance. We used Clio for a long time and, you know, for storing client data, we just realized we didn't need anything that heavy duty for what we were doing. We could do 90% of it in capsule and Google drive. And so that's what we, we dumped it. Well, and I suppose m- maybe you found this or maybe you just, uh, force your associate to be accommodating. Um, I found that the more things I ask people to try, um, the more resistant they are to the next thing, but also mm. just, you have to be careful about asking people to learn too many different systems. Uh, every new system that you ask somebody to learn is there's at least a, a mental block or a mental slowdown for many people there. And so I try to limit things. I, I think that there's a really good philosophy to have about it. I think that, you know, we, we experimented for three or four months. We went through more, I mean, for a long time, we didn't have CRM at all. We just, everything was in a Google sheet and it was a, it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that made a big difference just switching from dumping all of our data input into a, a CRM, which, if people aren't using some kind of form of that, I, I definitely encourage them to check out anything, whether or not it's, you know, Lexicata, which I think is, you know, kind of geared toward lawyers. We looked at that too, or just something as simple as Capsule because it, it, it's very flexible. So let me let me close with one question that uh, I think will be interesting to hear from someone who's been practicing or been solo for a fairly short amount of time. Uh, what's the biggest struggle challenge that you've had to overcome so far this year? I think it's, you know, it, it's it's mostly mental, right? It's, it's yourself. It's, it's, learning to be patient. It's learning not to be hard on yourself. It's learning that you, uh, to be resilient and to, it, just to remember those things and to try to take a minute to not work every minute, you know, and that, that's really been my biggest struggle. We've been very fortunate and then we got a lot of great press and that we've had a lot of clients and a lot of paying clients and things have gone very well. Um, but at the end of the day, even when you're very successful, um, or reasonably successful, I can't just say very successful, reasonably <laughs> successful. You you're you're not to, allowed to be very successful within a year. <laughs> right. Reasonably successful. You have to, it's, it's just learning to like breathe for a minute and be with my family and be with the ones I love and see my friends once in a while and not, you know, I used to have hobbies. Now my hobbies are reading about AdWords. And so that's kind of, <laughs> you know, you, you, you've got to take a minute and really take, put perspective on it. Life is bigger than just, you know, business. Well, Brad, thank you so much for being with us today. And I just really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sam. Make sure to catch next week's episode of the Lawyerist podcast. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit lawyerist.com slash podcast or legaltalknetwork.com. 
You can subscribe via iTunes or anywhere podcasts are found. Both Lawyerist and the Legal Talk Network can be found on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And you can download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play or iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said during this podcast is legal advice. 